0: For all of your Wisconsin Badgers news, from the recruiting trail, on the field, and near the rim, this is the Badger Blitz Podcast. If you want to be a
1: Badger, just come along with me by the bright shiny light of the moon. On Overtime Media.
0: Welcome back to another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Of course, powered by Overtime Media, Jake Kokorowski, senior writer. We got editor, recruiting analyst, John McNamara on the line here in the vivid Seats studio and of course folks use promo code overtime in the vivid seats mobile app to save up to 100 on all ticket purchases of course first time customers only and john and i are here we got a lot to get to you'll hear an interview from fullback john chanel a lot of great insight for him from the fullback dives just him adjusting and continuing his development at that position And then also a little bit of flack for his younger brother, Leo, who did not return a fumble recovery for a touchdown against Kent state. So a lot of good fun there. Uh, You'll also, of course, we'll break down our keys to the game. You'll uh, we also got Paul uh, Conan from Spartan Meg talking Michigan state and what to expect from the Spartans when they roll into camp Randall. That'll be up in probably maybe about 10 minutes or so, but let's get to it right now, John, Wisconsin number eight in the country, Michigan State, off a 34-10 loss to Ohio State last week at at the Horseshoe. The game's going to be 2.30 p.m. Central Time on BTN. Big game for Wisconsin. It's second of three cross-divisional matchups. Let's talk recruiting first, obviously, because being part of the Rivals Network, that's our bread and butter. I mean, you've already posted a few things inside the Badgers' den which is the forum where BadgerBlitz.com subscribers have exclusive access to, uh, to of course, some rumblings, what we're hearing. And John, you have a full list, basically, of what you've heard or who you've heard will come to Madison this weekend. But how big of a weekend could this be for Wisconsin?
1: It could turn out to be a big weekend. Uh, but first, I think you start with Greg Gard and his staff. Uh, another big weekend for them. It's, you know, they've uh, had a huge fall on the recruiting front and you know if you look at this weekend you look at Logan Duncan coming up for for a visit um, he's been on campus once before and this will be his official visit and then Julian Roper as well um, both guys in the 2021 class um, you know right now they have three commitments in that class you know there's definitely room for five at, at least on paper and um, obviously they would take Roper and, uh, and Duncan if, if they wanted to commit um, I, I think both those guys aren't maybe ready for to make their decision right now. Um I, I think when you saw Matthew Moores and um, Chucky Hepburn commit, those guys did it really early in the process. Um things with basketball, you know, not necessarily move at a slower pace, but you know a lot of those top, you know, top flight guys like to play out uh, their junior season and then you know into their final AAU season as well. Um but like you like I said, you saw Moores and, and Hepburn commit early. Um so it'll be interesting to see you know, what reaction we can get from those guys, uh, Duncan and, and Roper, after their visits this weekend. But, um, you know, gray Guard is certainly looking to take advantage of that recruiting momentum that he has going. Um, obviously, Roper is a teammate of uh, Lauren Bowman. So, you know, Wisconsin has another recruiter in their pocket there for a guy that's, you know, trying to get him to, to join this 2021 class for the Badgers. So it'll be interesting to see what Great Guard and his staff can do this weekend with two big time targets on campus.
0: Now, you talk basketball, not to give away. Too much, obviously, because we have a bunch of this up on badgerblitz.com in our Badgers den, but who who else on the football side could we see that you've potentially heard?
1: Yeah, you know, one big name, and it seems like way down the road, but Devin Brown, the quarterback uh, from Arizona, you know, right now he's the only sophomore quarterback that Wisconsin has offered so far. And, you know, if that name sounds familiar, it's because he was at, um, you know, Wisconsin offered him and he was at Wisconsin's camp then in June, and I got a chance to see him uh, at the camp. And obviously, John Budmeyer spent a ton of time with him. Um, and then, you know, they took, you know, I would say five or six receivers from that camp. And um, after it ended, uh, Devin Brown threw passes to those guys. And, you know, there's definitely, you know, the arm strength they're looking for, the accuracy. But again, he's at, the, at that time, he was just finishing up his freshman year in high school. Um, so I'd be interested to see, you know, he's back on campus if, if, you know, he's continuing to develop physically, which obviously you assume he is, but, um, obviously a huge priority for Wisconsin. Uh, like I said, the only guy at the quarterback position to have an offer from the Badgers right now in that 2022 class. And, um, you know, this is a visit that's been scheduled for a while. When I talked to him in June, he said, you know, we have a bye week uh, for, you know, it, it lined up for Wisconsin's game against Michigan State. So. Um, you know obviously Wisconsin has jumped out to a pretty good start in his recruitment it'll be you know interesting to see what his reactions are of seeing you know his first game at Camp Randall Stadium.
0: Now looking at a class that's more current and this actually actually the current recruiting cycle for the class of 2020, you had reported earlier this week that a talented running back athlete, I think rivals believe that he is an inside linebacker for designate for a designation there. Lyneth Whitehead was not going to show up this weekend, but rather would take an official visit during November. It was a, the weekend of Iowa. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and, and what for those that don't know about him, what type of prospect, what type of recruit Whitehead is?
1: Yeah. You know, if you're looking at the 2020 class, you know, running back is really that last big piece that Wisconsin uh, is looking to fill, and you know Whitehead's a guy that you know really Wisconsin identified, and they were the first school to present the the opportunity to play running back, and you know the the top schools involved in his recruitment at that time all wanted him to play linebacker, and Wisconsin went and said, hey, look. You know, we want you to be a big running back in our system. Uh, we, we think you could have a lot of success there. And I think that's really what got some traction going with Wisconsin because I think he was intrigued by that offer. And, you know, since then, some other schools have said, hey, we'll take you on both sides of the ball. So, um, you know, right now Tennessee is a big school involved in his recruitment, South Carolina, and then, you know, obviously Wisconsin. Uh, and they, like I said, you know, talking to a source, they expect to get him on campus for the Iowa game. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how his recruitment, you know, if he, you know, I think there's a chance maybe he commits to a different school before that time, maybe Wisconsin adds a running back before that visit. But as of right now, the plan is to get him on campus for his official visit uh, when Wisconsin hosts Iowa.
0: Before we go to, we'll have, after this, we'll speak with uh, John Chanel, the fullback from Wisconsin. But before that one last recruiting bit, potentially, another official visitor coming to camp Randall as well.
1: Yeah. We're hearing that there could be one official visitor this weekend. Um, You know, we've, we've had a lot of information about that in the Badgers den. Um, I I can just say that, you know, you'll find out, you know, maybe late Friday night, uh, definitely by Saturday. If if that prospect uh, did indeed make it to campus. Um, And like I posted in the Badgers den, if, if it, if it, goes as Wisconsin expects it to um, I think it'll be an exciting prospect uh, for Wisconsin fans who follow recruiting so we'll have to see we're, we're, we're recording this on a Thursday night uh, we'll we'll see what happens on Friday night around this time uh, but you know if it goes as planned I think Wisconsin fans are going to enjoy the name that pops
0: out very intriguing of course guys subscribe to badgerblitz.com part of the rivals network you get not just the premium content here that you see with like my first and 10 preview, John's recruiting wrap ups that you hear from each and every prospect that gets to Madison and talks to us. Those are all premium content, meaning that you need to have a subscription. But also, that Badger's Den is amazing where you hear rumblings and that's where you can get a lot of the great information. So, hey, give us a try here on BadgerBlitz.com and the Rivals Network. But let's right now go to a conversation with. Fullback John Chanel I had on Monday talking about his role, developing more what he needs, what he's working on the fullback dives, and then also too, we'll discuss his brother and that fumble recovery and just some of the the chit chat they've had. Check it out right now, and then right after that we'll have from Spartan Meg on there. We'll have Paul Conendike. He'll talk about Spartan the Spartans. Great detail from Paul must listen there to see from the other side for the other beat writers that cover this big 10 east program uh, a lot of great insight from paul so without further ado here's john chanel here on the BadgerBlitz.com blitz.com podcast i'm here with fullback john chanel and john four carries 24 yards uh first question we've seen the success of the fullback dives just in your opinion what goes into that dive and and getting the first down like you did on three of those four carries
2: uh, well, it's really, it's truly like a full, full team run there. You know, uh, the line does a great job every time, open up gaps for me, uh, and I just really thank those guys a lot, especially um, you know um, Smith back. He got in there, so he did a hell of a job. And uh, but yeah, I was really proud of, this, especially that second team line. Um, they come together, they pound a hole, and really, it's all them. It's it's no me. I'm just running through the gaps. So I, I, all the credit goes to them for that.
0: When you hear that play call. What goes through your head when you know you're going to get the ball?
2: Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like not necessarily head down, but I'm leaning forward. I'm, I'm I want to get the first down at all costs, and, and if if a gap opens up, I want to, you know, um, try to get as much as possible. So I'm ready to go for that every time, and I know the line is too
0: on that one that last one for 11 yards it looks like it almost broke that one so when you see that open daylight what I mean are you going back to your high school days at Grantsburg for that
2: yeah no I had a little flashback there I was like oh I saw some daylight but uh yeah no I I got wrapped up um but I mean I'd rather have Donner uh Jack Dunn ran it in for the score and I'd rather have him you know have his first shot down and be my second so I was really proud of him for that and so it was was a good moment for us that we're all I think. Wait, wait.
0: How have you felt like through five games? You and Mason Stocky have gotten, you know, the responsibilities both of you. How do you feel your progression's been, and kind of getting used to the offense and, mm-hmm. and continuing to, to progress as a fullback?
2: Um, yeah, I think it's it's still a work in progress. You know, every day, every week. Um, you know, uh, Coach Sat tells us to work on one thing. Coach Rudy as well. And um, right now, my one thing is uh, still like footwork and leading up to the block, uh, pad level. So. It's it's been a steady progression. I thought I've thought I've improved in uh, some places, and it's it's going well for me right now. And I hope I can continue it. Uh, just just keep working every day at at one thing, and it'll get better soon. I think.
0: What have been some of the other things that you've had to work at that you've wanted to work on like once a week? What have been some of the other things that you've had that you've wanted to improve upon? Mm
2: -hmm. Um, So yeah, like there's like I mentioned, low pad level, uh, footwork, a lot of technique stuff is really what it is. You know, whether it's like pass setting, getting low, uh, striking, hand placement too. Hand placement's been huge, Um, as well as route running. So now they're starting to integrate more uh, fullback routes in there. So route running is big. You know, um, taking the right uh, taking the right steps, the right footwork. Everything it's a lot of technique base is what I'm working on now. So I think I think I got everything else besides just ironing out more technique stuff. So that's my focus this year.
0: I know the tight end depth has been a little thin, but we've seen you in Mason kind of in I formation. We've seen you guys in the backfield, almost in the shotgun look. We've seen you on you know, near the tackles. What roles have you had to fill this season yeah. so far in offense?
2: Yeah, we've had some uh, tight ends go down, and uh, it's it's been a good opportunity for us to go all over been... Um, been a good experience. A lot to learn still, uh, but it just opens us up to more opportunities. Uh, the team up to more opportunities, especially when we have to fill in the place for, you know, down tight ends. But uh, I know me and Mason are willing to go anywhere that coach needs us. So it's been working well so far. I hope that, that continues.
0: How long? How much is that learning curve then? Because that's you're you're a contributor, and then you're being thrusted into so many different roles. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh Yeah. No, it's just they always uh, coach Rudy always tells us your role your role could change at any time. So we always just are ready for it have the right mindset that i'm gonna do what coach needs me to do i'm gonna fill in the gap when they need me fill in the gap and uh it's it's been definitely a learning curve for that um but i thought we've been really well coached really um we've really like went dove head first into it so uh it's been good so far working out
0: my last question i know leo your brother is questionable this week Mm -hmm. on the end injury report but on that fumble recovery that he could have taken oh, yeah. to the house. Uh, you know, still a positive return on a fumble there. Have you given him some flack on not taking it to the house? Oh, my
2: goodness. Yeah, I, I was on him. I, I, even even afterwards, I was like, oh, Leah, what are you? But, no, that's just me being hard on him. It was, it was a great play for him, especially being there, uh, being able to actually scoop the ball. I know it was really wet out there too, so can't put too much pressure on him. His gloves are slick. Uh, it would have been nice to see him return it, but I'm really proud of him for, for being there and making the play. Uh, and then you got Faw blocking downfield, uh, D and blocking downfield. It's always interesting, but <laughs> no, there there was definitely more more to be had. But we're really happy for what for what happened. I'm happy for Leo right now, especially as far as he's progressed. He's done done better than I have definitely last year. He's grown. Um, he's definitely got the physical physical element to the game down already. It's just keep grinding, keep working on that technique.
0: Joining us now to help us preview the Michigan State Spartans, who make their way into Camp Randall Stadium. On Saturday, we got Paul Konendyke from Spartan Mag, our rivals, cousins that cover Michigan State football and athletics. Paul, first off, are you making the trip down to Madison? Are you going to have some fun down in Madison before covering the game?
3: Heck yeah, I wouldn't miss it, man. I've I've had family. Well, my wife has family up there. My wife's aunt uh, was in charge of the nursing school up at Wisconsin for a lot of years. I love it there. Uh it's one of the most fun towns in the Big Ten to go to and I wouldn't miss a, a road trip to Madison. Glad they're on the schedule this year.
0: Now Michigan State comes into Madison this week, four and two record overall, two and one in the Big Ten, and of course trying to avoid that third loss of the season. Early on through the first half of the year, Paul, what have you noticed in terms of general impressions? of this team well I think
3: the first thing to notice that this team is a team with a a great defense like they had last year and maybe not as much depth as they had last year on the defense but the defense is like is rock solid and the offense I think they're better than they were last year they're they're improving but I think the way the schedule sets up it's kind of front loaded I mean they lost a game to Arizona State that they should have won and uh And I think they've grown a lot since then, but then they, you know, this is last week was the start of a three game gauntlet with Ohio state, Wisconsin, then uh, a bye week but after that you go to Penn state. So Michigan state's toughest games on the schedule are right at the beginning of big 10 play. And these guys have got to, you know, kind of get through it uh, before they get some, uh, you know, they get get a little bit of reprieve on the, on the back end but um you know i think michigan state's got a great defense and i think they're they're capable of hanging with every team in the big 10 maybe maybe with the exception of ohio state ohio state's a, uh, i've seen a lot of ohio state teams over the years and, and this one is is pretty dang good on both sides of the ball i think that's the thing that's scary uh, but michigan state faces another team that's uh got a great offense and has a a, a great defense uh, in wisconsin so there's no no time to hang heads or anything like that they've got to get ready to play and This is a game, frankly, that I think all of us have been kind of eager to see because Michigan State's been so good stopping the run over the years, and Wisconsin's been so good running the football, and it just seems like one of these kind of classic kind of uh, matchups. I know Michigan State and Wisconsin haven't played very much in in recent years, but it seems like whenever these two teams get together, it's usually a good football game. So I'm kind of looking forward to it, seeing what happens, good defense against a good offense, and vice versa. So um, it it should be kind of a throwback game, I would think.
0: My question coming up for you now, uh, we always ask about this, injuries, um, who is out, who could be back, who's questionable, and how will that make an impact for this weekend's cross-divisional matchup?
3: Well, I think the biggest injury that Michigan State has right now is at the left tackle position. They've been playing down with their fourth string left tackle for uh, the last four games, and uh, they've gotten by with a with a with a guard who's played a lot of uh, a lot of football and Tyler Higby who's played a lot of starting football, but he's playing out of position at left tackle and that that's not ideal, especially when you uh, you know come into conference play uh, and you're going up against some pretty good pass rushers. So I think that would be uh, that would be something to watch. Um, you know, Michigan State's tried to on offense try to get rid of the ball quickly, uh, you know, try to negate some of the pass rush that, that that creates, but that's one of the things that I'd be watching. And then uh, on the other side of the football. Uh, you know, Michigan state, uh, towards the end of that Ohio state game, they, um, they had played without two of their starters on the defensive line, Mike Panashuk and his younger brother, Jacob, Mike Panashuk is the guy that started, I think 35 straight games, uh, at, at nose tackle and Jacob Panashuk plays defensive end boundary defensive end. And he's played a lot of football, uh, two year starter has really come on strong and he left that game uh, against Ohio state with an injury. I expect, uh, uh, Mike Panashuk to be back, um, and i think that's pretty pretty much guaranteed um and but i think there's a little bit kind of uh there's less certainty with jacob Panashuk. And, and if jacob panishuk doesn't play in this game and i kind of think he will but if he's not if he's not 100% uh then michigan state loses a little bit in that pass rush because i think uh, jacob panishuk has really provided um a bit of a bookend with kenny wilcockis he's uh, jacob Panashuk has gotten much better during the offseason at at rushing the passer he's always been good against run but he's gotten after the passer quite a bit uh, this year and that's really kind of taking some pressure off uh, you know an All-American Kenny Willickus, and those guys have worked well together um, I think the D-line will be fine um, as long as Mike Panaschuk is back I think they can get by without Jacob Panashuk. uh Drew Beasley is a, a high level backup uh, but then when you get down to the third defensive end or fourth defensive end I can see a scenario where where if an inexperienced guy is, is going to play Wisconsin will run right at him with that power of football and that'll be something to watch but Uh, the defensive line I think that's a I don't think it's a it's a strength it has been a strength for Michigan State Uh, if they have all their personnel it's going to be a heck of a matchup between Wisconsin's O-line and Michigan State D-line but that will be something to watch and then the other thing that I would look for is Michigan State's uh, been a little bit banged up at corner Um, you know Josh Butler started the season he didn't play last weekend I'm not sure if that's a performance thing or if it was an injury thing Uh, but Michigan State has a couple corners that aren't available to play because of injury and I think uh When it comes to play action passing and it comes to like some of the downfield stuff that Wisconsin might do, uh, they'll be able to attack, uh, you know, Michigan State's corners, whether it's Caitlin Girvin playing uh, redshirt freshman. He's got a lot of talent, not much experience, or it's uh, Josh Butler. I think they can attack that side of the field uh, with that downfield passing. So that'll be something to watch, too. Uh, Michigan State does have a defensive back named Shakur Brown. Uh, who's pretty good, really good with the deep ball. They've been waiting for him to come back. It would be very opportunistic or very good for Michigan State if he came back in this game to help with some of that downfield passing stuff. But that's kind of the one area I think that you look at Michigan State and you're like, uh, you know, Josiah Scott's a potential All Big Ten guy on one side, but then you know where you know you don't have a typical Michigan State corner per se on the other side. That's that's one area of concern for the Michigan State defense in this game.
0: Well, let's stay with the defense real quick. We we see the numbers was it 19 sacks already racking up the tackles for loss as well. I see obviously two linebackers standing out in in the stats sheets. Tell us about those two and and you already mentioned some of the defensive line, but uh, who are the other playmakers that Badger fans need to pay attention to on Saturday?
3: Well, I think Joe Bocci, the Michigan State's middle linebacker, team captain, is the best uh, interior linebacker the Michigan State's had during the Marcantonio era, and I think that that's saying a lot. He reminds me of kind of a, a you know a poor man Sean Lee. He reminds me of Sean Lee, uh, you know, who plays the Cowboys now has been injured a lot, but when he was at Penn State, the guy that can get down downhill, thump, uh, you know, around the line of scrimmage, but can also drop drop back and, and do some things against the pass. Uh, you know, Joe Bocci is a fantastic middle linebacker, and Antoine Simmons, uh, who's really in his first year as a full-time starter, he's been a, a pretty big-time playmaker for Michigan State each of the last two years. As kind of a, as kind of like the um, slot linebacker in the nickel defense. This year, it's his show alone. He's put up some some big numbers. Those guys are pretty solid. Antoine Simmons, for a guy that plays that slot linebacker, which is kind of a glorified defensive back, he'll come and hit you, which is which is something that you don't usually see from a guy that's two hundred ten pounds but he plays with a lot of physicality. The guy to watch in this game, I think, is the is the third linebacker, Tyreek Thompson. He's a fifth-year senior, and he loves these kind of games where it's, a, it, you know, fistfight in a foam booth type of games. I think this is going to be a game to, to watch him. But unlike, I think, past years, like if you look at Michigan State's defense last year, one of the reasons I think they're so effective is that they had, you know, five or six guys on defense that came in in specialty-type situations where these were guys that were fifth-year seniors that um, – that played in just different packages. And I think it really helps with the depth of the defense. The thing to watch if, if I'm a Michigan state fan is how is Michigan state's defense going to hold up against this grinding uh, or Wisconsin offense. If Michigan state's offense is unable to move the football. Cause I mean, that's always kind of like for the last year and a half, that's kind of been the theme uh, around Michigan state. You've got a great defense and then you've got an offense. that's not, you know, that's trying to, re- to rebuild to get back to where they've been in past years, but haven't quite been able to do that. Uh, This Michigan state defense will need help from the Spartan offense in this game. Otherwise, you know, you're going to see what we've seen in the past games. It's going to snowball in the fourth quarter.
0: Now looking at the offense too, you have Brian Lewerke who, you know, he's completed less than 60% of his passes, but he's only turned over the ball twice through the air with, with a couple of picks, but you have a running back in Elijah Collins, a former Wisconsin recruiting target, an in-state product from Michigan. there averaging over five yards per carry, but then, the big name for wide receiver Daryl Stewart Jr., forty-one receptions, six hundred twenty-four yards, four touchdowns. You know who? How have those players stood out? Uh, and and where do you feel with you know Wisconsin? You know will have some trouble coming up on Saturday.
3: Well, I think if you look at Brian Lewerke's, let's start with Brian Lewerke's completion percentage, fifty-nine percent. I just saw something on Pro Football Focus tonight where uh, there's Michigan State has twenty-three drops. So I, I think uh, you know that leads the nation in drop drop passes. So I think that's something Makes to watch sense. in this game because because has been fantastic throwing the football, but he's had a lot of drops. And even a guy with like Daryl Stewart, who's put up really big numbers, he's had uh, you know a, he's had plenty of ones that that he'd like to have back, including one that should have went for a touchdown last week against Ohio State in a critical situation. He's had some drop passes. So Daryl Stewart's putting up really big numbers, but he. Hasn't played as well as I think that he would like to or as well as, uh, you know, he needs to in certain situations. Uh, on the other side, Cody White um, is another guy that's that's had a lot of foot played a lot of football in Michigan State. And, you know, he's been a guy that's been a 30-40 catch guy every year. Uh, Going back to his freshman year, he's a junior now, and he's still having some issues with with drop passes. So I think when you look at Michigan State and you look at some of the great teams that they've played and, you know, you go back to the Kirk Cousins teams that went up against Russell Wilson teams, and you think of Michigan State having three NFL kind of caliber wide receivers. I I just don't see that in, in some of these these recent teams and I don't see that this year and I think that's kind of an issue for Michigan State they don't have that third receiver that's a game breaker like Keyshawn Martin who was a a punt returner kick returner for years in the NFL so I think uh you know Michigan State is kind of a work in progress on offense they've been able to run the football better than I thought they would at times um I think Lurkey's been kind of the constant throughout and he's proven that he can he can carry carry his team with his arm and at times with, with his leg but he needs some help and he needs his wide receivers to stop dropping passes and I, I think you know those guys have been good at times but sometimes they've struggled and I think you know he needs to continue to get good play from his tight ends I think Michigan State the one area where I've seen Michigan State play better than I anticipated this year is the tight end position um, they've got a fifth year senior He's a former walk-on transfer from Buffalo, and Matt Seibert, who has been uh, fantastic. He's kind of one of those feel-good uh, walk-on stories that everyone at everyone in college football loves. I know Wisconsin's had a whole bunch of them. Michigan State's Rebecca. had a whole bunch of them. And, uh, you know, Kenny Willick is being one of them this year. But, uh, you know, those are great stories, and he's kind of that, you know, he's kind of that super walk-on that's been so successful. And uh, he's a pretty good tight end. Matt's, or not Matt Cyber, but Matt Dotson, a pretty highly recruited kid out of uh, Ohio. He's kind of been dinged up. He should be. He should be back at, at full strength this week. So, I'd look for Michigan State to use the tight tight end in this game. But I really, honestly, can't see Michigan State, um, you know, consistently generating offense if if it's going to be a one-dimensional football game. And uh, that'll be the challenge because it's hard to run the football against Wisconsin. And uh, I don't think Michigan State has to run for a lot of yards, but they have to run for enough to have the threat of the threat of a run on third and short. And we'll see if that happens or not.
0: I was going to ask you too about that offensive line. I know you already mentioned about the left tackle spot and, and the backups that the Spartans have had to use, but I also noted that they've only given up eight sacks. Now, four of those came against Ohio State uh, last weekend, but what, what's led to that sack total being so low?
3: Well, I think they, they came to Ohio State against Ohio State as well after after it became a one dimensional football game and michigan state was was forced to throw the football exclusively. You know Ohio State scored twenty four points in that second quarter and that put Michigan State into a situation where they weren't gonna run the football and that's where kind of Ohio State teed off on them. I would say that I would say that probably the reason the sack totals are down is Brian is kind of underrated for his mobility, but he's done a nicer job moving around in the pocket, eluding pressure as well as making quick reads and getting the ball off quickly. I think that's, that's probably the number one thing. If you want to look at, okay, why is Michigan state giving up fewer sacks? The offensive line is playing better. They've had fewer, they have injuries right now, but they've had a lot fewer injuries than they had last year, which was kind of a running joke every week. Someone else was hurt. But Brian Lewerke also improved at his ability to, uh, you know, get the ball off quickly, uh, get it where it needs to go. And, and I think they've done some nice jobs. It, Michigan State's offensive coordinator, Brad Salem, has done a nice job moving him around uh, in a way that he can kind of avoid some pressure. But, but the offensive line, they've been hanging in there. Um, but Lewerke's helped him out with, with his quick decision making and his, his feet. So that's one thing I'd watch for because he can't scramble and he's a lot more athletic than he looks.
0: Final question for you besides perhaps what your favorite Madison restaurant or establishment if you will, but what is your game prediction and what do you think happens on Saturday inside Camp Randall Stadium?
3: Well, I think this is one of those games that you know, it's circled on the calendar like I said. This Michigan State defense is looking forward to going up against this physical Wisconsin offense. I just have a hard time I just have a hard time thinking that that Michigan State is going to be effective enough on offense. Uh, to move the football and, and not allow Wisconsin's offense to own uh, time of possession and kind of maul Michigan State's defense. So I kind of expect Michigan State maybe to have a good, uh, an effective early touchdown drive, which hasn't happened a whole lot against Wisconsin. But I I kind of expect them to be pretty good uh, in a couple drives in the first first half. But I think Wisconsin will make adjustments. So I think Michigan State's really going to struggle to move the ball in the second half. And if that happens, I think um, the like most likely scenario. Would be um, it's snowballing on Michigan State a little bit in the in this in the fourth quarter. We've seen that in the past. If Wisconsin owns time of possession in that third quarter, that defense for Michigan State is going to wear down. And uh, you know, so I would kind of I'm kind of looking at uh, my prediction would be somewhere maybe in the neighborhood of like 28 to 13, 28 to 14, something like that. Uh, I just think that Michigan State's going to move the ball a few times. I think they're going to shoot themselves afterwards for not taking advantage in the red zone. And, uh, you know, Wisconsin has a stout defense, and I think that'll be the difference in this game. I think Michigan State will be really salty and, and as a defense. I think they're going to make it hard uh, for Wisconsin to be two, two-dimensional. But I think eventually, um, you know, that mauling physical offensive line is going is to um, kind of wear Michigan State down to the point where uh, Wisconsin gets a pretty good-looking um, old-school Big Ten victory.
0: Paul, it's been great speaking with you. Before we let you go, what can people expect from Spartan Meg and what you guys got going on this week?
3: Well, we got a lot of stuff going on this week. I mean, it's basketball season as well as football season, so we'll be at basketball practice tomorrow. Um, you know, my Jim Camperoni, our publisher, and myself will both be in Madison this weekend, so we'll have it We'll have it covered from end to end, and uh, we're looking forward to the road trip.
0: Paul, it's been great talking with you. We'll see you Saturday uh, at Camp Randall Stadium.
3: All right. Take care. Thanks for having me
0: guys. It's Paul Conan from Spartan Meg, our rivals cousins that cover Michigan state athletics. Make sure you find Paul, by the way, at P on Twitter at P K O N Y N D Y K. Again, Paul Conandyke. a great conversation there. We're going to take a break. Come back. John and I are going to give our keys to the game mm. and a prediction coming up on the badgerblitz.com podcast. We are back here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media. Senior writer, Jay Kokorowski. We got editor, recruiting analyst, John McNamara. We are just chilling in the Vivid Seats studio. And, you know, folks, Wisconsin got it done over Kent State. No surprise there. 48-0 win, and we got to mention with that. An easy cover. And this week, it's Sparty, and MyBookie is your place for even more action for the game. Not only your point spread in total, but MyBookie offers... In-game wagering, so track the action and movement as the game takes place. Game props, playoff odds, and national championship odds available too. Oh, and we can't forget the Heisman odds. And that just scratches the surface. We have teamed with MyBookie this October to give you this great offer. Sign up at MyBookie.ag and use promo code OVERTIME and they will match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME and new users get their first deposit doubled. Mybookie.ag you play, you win, you get paid. Now with Wisconsin and Michigan State, again, two thirty kickoff, Big Ten Network. Of course, you can listen to it on the Badger Radio Network. Go to iHeart. You know, you'll search WIBA. Voila, you're there listening. If you can't take in the game at Camp Randall Stadium and using the Vivid Seats mobile app there, or you know, can't watch it on TV, which will be on BTN once again. However, Injury report came out uh, this morning, on Thursday morning, John. Two Badgers will not suit up. That's inside linebacker Leo Chanel and fullback Mason Stocky, both out with respective head injuries. Leo Chanel obviously played last week. He was out against Northwestern with a head injury. But with Stocky, this is a fullback who has played all five games, two starts, was effective not just as a blocker, but has gotten some of those fullback dives like Chanel, gotten some first downs. With the way that the tight end position is thin, even though Cormac Sampson has seemed to establish himself in two tight end sets, and I wrote about just how much they used two tight end sets in our personnel breakdown on BadgerBlitz.com earlier this week. With how effective he appears to have been, how could the stocky injury really influence the offense on Saturday Against the physical Michigan State front seven,
1: yeah, I think that's that's a very good question. And uh, first, the thing that pops out about Stocky is um, he's been grading out very well uh, on Pro Football Focus. You know, we run the Hot Eleven feature, and I feel like he's been on uh, you know the top eleven in terms of you know offenses, defensive guys who grade out the best. Uh, We just go by overall score, and uh, you know, I think he's been there three of the last four weeks. So. Uh, you know, he's, he's grading out. Well, um, obviously a lot of, you know, Jonathan Taylor's success comes from the offensive line and, and the fullback and, you know, stocky has been great there. So, uh, you know, do they change much up, you know, how much more, you know, do they let John Chanel take all those reps there or do they get creative? Like you talked about, you know, you see a little bit more Cormac Sampson. So um, I think it changes the game plan, but you know, they have a guy in Chanel who they, John Chanel, they feel good about at that position Uh, But it, you know, it might cause them to, you know, take a look at things and analyze things a little bit more differently uh, than if they had, uh, you know, two, you know, healthy fullbacks that they trust quite a bit.
0: Right, and you saw some some of the goal line situations Wisconsin has used. They deployed a thirty-two personnel, and for those that don't know, when you you talk about personnel, the first digit is usually the number of running backs, and then the second digit is tight ends. So thirty-two means three running backs, two tight ends, and they've used two fullbacks in goal line and short yardage situations before so that's going to be really interesting maybe they substitute that with the hippo package in short yardage or whatnot it will be very interesting to see just how Paul Christ and his all you know and his staff work to compensate for stocky's loss but look into the keys of the game we do this every week before we get to our over under predictions thank you subscriber j underscore study john the first let's start with the offense michigan state comes in four and two overall two and one in the big ten boasting a very stout defense only allowing 100 yards per game on the ground that includes ohio state running wild on them 323 yards last week still holding opponents to just over the century mark per contest what is your key to the game offensively for the Badgers?
1: Yeah. And I'm going to just piggyback off the article we had with um, the guys at Spartan Meg. And, you know, it's a very good read. It's a long read, uh, but I think he was really thoughtful in his answers. And, you know, one of the things he pointed out uh, for Michigan State's defense is that he thinks the middle of the field's kind of vulnerable. And, you know, to take a quote right from his story, uh, you know, he thinks that, you know, Wisconsin tight ends could have a big day and, you know, when you talk about tight ends, it's not really plural. It's Jake Ferguson. So, um, you know, he's a guy that I look to in this game as someone who can, you know, go over the middle of the field and, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, be a weapon for Wisconsin there. And, uh, you know, uh, the guys from Spartan Meg also talked about, you know, play action. Michigan State has been vulnerable too. So, um, you know, I think Michigan State's good up front. You know, he talked about having three pretty good linebackers who are good against the run, but, uh you also you know, mentioned as as this game kind of grinds on if Michigan State isn't able to put up points you know eventually he thinks Wisconsin's offensive line Wisconsin's running backs uh, could take over and you know maybe put some points up late in the second half to kind of seal this game up so i think you know going back to the original idea i think you know tight end you know specifically Jake Ferguson uh, could be someone to see his number called a bit more in this game and i you know it wouldn't be surprising maybe if he had 5 or 6 catches Uh, for what has been so far a kind of a quiet season for him with the expectations coming into 2019.
0: Right, still an all-conference-capable tight end, had that acrobatic two-yard touchdown catch against Kent State that wrapped up Jack Cohn's day, for that matter. I think that was like the first-team offense's day right there. Six drives, six touchdowns. The backups got one more touchdown on the series thereafter, but going back there, Ferguson had that two-yard touchdown catch I'm going to go – I mean, I feel – And I started working on our pre-snap read preview, which is kind of basically three keys to the game that come out every Saturday morning before a Wisconsin game. And I always start it with Jonathan Taylor and establishing him because he is a high as caliber back. So I'm gonna, uh, that's pretty much, I feel like, a universal thing for a key to the game. So I'm going to go something a little different. I think it's Jack Cohn, especially if Michigan State can contain – Taylor in that rushing attack, I think a key for him is for him not. To, I mean, he has to play mistake-free ball. But you talked about the play-action pass that worked really well last week. The first offensive play of the game for Wisconsin was a play-action that netted 21 yards off a of reception from AJ Taylor. So I think for Wisconsin, I think Jack Cohn's going to need to be. You know, a key for him is just to be accurate, and if. Michigan State want you know is forces him to beat them just to play mistake free ball and dissect that defense as much as possible and it's going to be interesting to see just how much he learned from that Northwestern game where he was 15 to 24 for 113 yards and an interception so that game you saw Northwestern drop in in third and longs you saw eight defenders and they only rushed three and that was highly effective where Cone had to drop. You know his checkdowns. I think that's going to be key for him to learn and can trust his progressions more. And we'll see how it happens. But I think for him, if Michigan State does contain that rushing attack, which it very well might, he needs to step up and he needs to play mistake-free ball and trust more of his progressions. Uh, which I mean, he looked good against Kent State. Uh, we'll see. You know, if he, his name is called, will he answer the call? If you will, and. We'll see what he can do against a defense like Michigan State's that is pretty stout and isn't allowing more than 300 yards per game on average through six contests in 2019. Looking at the defensive side of the ball, John, what is your key to the matchup on Saturday?
1: Yeah, I think it. You know, it's cliche to say, but you know, I think it starts up front, and you know, going into that article again. He he calls it a a patchwork offensive line. I think Wisconsin is going to have a real advantage there. Um, You know, I don't know that this is an explosive offense uh, for Michigan State. I think they have they have good but not great wide receivers. Um, Elijah Collins, who was a Wisconsin target, uh, played at the same high school as Scott Nelson, and he was someone that we wrote about uh, in in the piece I had on the recruiting front. Uh, You know, he had Wisconsin in his top four. I think he wanted to play running back. Wisconsin liked him at. at linebacker, because they had a commitment from Nakia Watson at the time. So, um, you know, it starts up front and stopping the run. Um, and I think Wisconsin will be able to do that. And if you put them in passing situations, you know, with with a guy as playing as well as Zach Bond is, um, I, I think you like what w- Wisconsin's chances there. So, you know, take advantage of of you know, I don't. It's not a mismatch, but you know, take advantage of what you have up front because I think you are better, uh, you know, in, in that front seven. And I think as the game wears on, if you're able to stop the run. Uh, which they should be able to do, you know, I think this is a game that Wisconsin you know is going to win comfortably, you know, maybe not as early as as some of these other games, but I think once you get into the you know third quarter, you know late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter, I think Wisconsin's really going to have a command of this ball game.
0: It really is interesting with that pressure when you talk about getting to the quarterback I, and I'm along the same lines with that pressure, you know, first and foremost, but Michigan State, they only gave up eight sacks through six games heading into this matchup, which you talk about that patchwork line, and you heard what Paul had said earlier today on this podcast. It just, you know, with maybe as much of a patchwork line it is, they've only given up eight. And Wisconsin has 21 sacks through five games, two more than what it had all in all of the scene season. And for that matter, Zach Bond, six sacks tied for sixth, In the FBS, you know, I'm going to go though with the key is shutting down that passing attack for Michigan state, where they're averaging just about 260 yards per contest. Brian Lewerke only completing about 58% of his passes. But as Paul mentioned too, that deals with a lot of drops that the Spartans have had, but I think the secondary will have a different challenge. And I'm, I'm interested in seeing just how they respond against Daryl Stewart and Cody White and if they can contain them it's going to be a different challenge i think the secondary needs to step up and it'll be very interesting to see you know along with that pressure if they can get to Luwcky but also contain him because he can also be a rushing threat i believe he's got 134 yards already you know this year and that that includes the sack yardage being taken out of that so it's really he's gained more on the ground besides being sacked but if he can if Wisconsin if Bond and Chris Orr and Jack Sanborn and company can rush the passer and contain him and force him into not great predicaments and situations, the secondary will feast more, but if they, if they can't, the secondary is going to have to step up on their own and we'll see what fan Hicks and Rashad wild goose and company can do in that defensive backfield against two pretty decent wide receivers, in Stewart and white. So of course, now we're going to get to our over under segment as of course, badger subscriber, J underscore study each week brings us his handful of over under topics of which John, and I will try to predict to the best of our abilities. First one, John over under 174.5 yards from scrimmage, from one Jonathan Taylor.
1: Uh, yeah, I think I think over here, and I think he's going to get the opportunities to do that. And uh, you know, I just I don't know how you could say under with the way he's performing. You know, obviously that that's an ambitious number, uh, but I just think that you know with. You know, maybe with the how the weather could be on Saturday, and you know what Wisconsin wants to do, and you know just the way that Wisconsin's been going so far, and you know you're going to go with what works. And uh, he's the best running back in college football, I think. You know he's going to get his touches, he's going to get his carries. Uh, so I'll say he gets over that. I think he has a big day, um, just just like he's had every other every other Saturday and Friday night, I guess so far this year.
0: I'm torn. I'll go over, but it could easily be under. I think Michigan State they don't want to go to a third loss. And just something tells me that they're going to try to do everything they can to just to contain that Wisconsin offense in terms of the rushing game. Cause Wisconsin comes into the game, 200, 254 yards on the ground per contest. And again, I mentioned the Spartans give up just over a hundred through six games there. And I think they can get it done. It's going to be a physical matchup. I think stocky could hurt some of the game plan with him being out, but, of course, Paul, Chris knows how to scheme and, and make the best of the opportunities. We'll see what happens. but for I'll go over, but I don't think by much, maybe 180, 190 yards there, and we'll see just what Wisconsin can do offensively. Next one over under 3.5 rushing touchdowns as a team against Michigan State.
1: Yeah, and I, I think I went with the over on passing touchdowns last podcast or last game, and I was wrong. But this one seems – I feel like I want to go under on this as well. I I will go under. I think Wisconsin gets a few through the air. But, again, I, I was wrong last week. I'll probably be wrong this week. But I'll take the under on that one.
0: Yeah, I will too. Over under 3.5 sacks from the defense.
1: Uh, another good one, I think. You know, four sacks seems like a lot. but hmm, I'll, I'll go over on this one, even though it seems – seems like a lot here, but I'll, I'll take the over. I like the way this defense is playing. I think Bond gets two and maybe, you know, two other guys get one. You know, maybe they go above that. I'll go over.
0: I'm going to go under. I think it's just, I think they'll get three. I think they're going to pressure Lewerke a lot, but I don't know. if I mean, he's mobile enough where I think maybe he escapes a little bit, but he, then he either throws it away or he tries to make mis- or He throws a mistake, even though he's only thrown two interceptions on the year to 11 touchdown passes. I'll go under, but I think they get the pressure on him. I think he's just a little, the mobility might play that factor where he possibly can elude a little bit on that end. Our fourth topic over under 1.5 completed passes of 25 plus yards through the air for Wisconsin.
1: Oh boy. Yeah, I'll take the over on that. I think you'll see a little bit more Quintez Cephas, a little bit more Danny Davis. Um, so I'll go on the over. I think those guys are due for bigger games, um, you know, especially from Cephas. I think you you know you saw him, uh, you know, uh, not explode or peak or anything like that. But I mean, you saw you know what you maybe expected a little bit more early in the season. I think it's about time for him to kind of resurface and have another big game. So I'll I'll take the over on that one.
0: Yeah, I'll go over too. I think they'll get at least two uh, and it's, it might be something where Jonathan Taylor's out of the backfield now. And that's something that Michigan state hasn't had to defend yet where, you know, in terms of, I mean, they haven't, they haven't faced Jonathan Taylor at all. This is the first meeting for between Wisconsin and Michigan state since 2016, which was a 30 to six game, a uh, win by Wisconsin in East Lansing. But I think I'm on the same lines as you. I think, Something like that where even like a, a pass that's less than 20 yards in distance goes for 33 like Kendrick Pryor had. Maybe a catch and run that way. Something happens along those lines where I, I think maybe at least two happen there. That's a great question. Last one. I already have my opinion on this. Does Zach Kentz have a kickoff for a non-touchback? I'm going yes. There's at least one. I mean, 29 of his, of his 37 kickoffs have gone for touchbacks. Which is impressive. Uh, he's having a heck of a final year as a Badger, but I do feel there'll be at least one that's a non-touchback. What do you think? Nope.
1: No, <laughs> no, they're they're all they're all in the end zone. Nice, awesome. He's mad. He's motivated. He's he's fired up this year.
0: He is. He is. He's, he's making it. He's got a cannon for a leg, too. So I'm waiting for when Wisconsin has to attempt a 55 plus yarder to see who Paul Chris goes to. Before we let everybody go, John, I mean, going over to basketball real quick, and we'll have a ton of stuff on BadgerBlitz.com this weekend. Tomorrow is local media day. I will be down there. So some videos from players. We'll. I'll have some highlights up from Greg Guard's press conference. We'll have also. On Sunday, there's the red and white scrimmage. I'll be there again as well. So we'll have some highlights from that talking about Badger basketball. We're getting into the busy season. It's going to be very busy here on BadgerBlitz.com. Uh, lot, and we'll have some basketball previews coming up by the end of the month, too. But news came down Thursday, first by Jeff Patricus of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. But also, you know, uh, he reported that initially. But UW released a statement earlier, later that day, later today. Micah Potter, his waiver to play immediately for the 2019-2020 season has been denied. So he has to miss the first semester of the season. So his first game back to be eligible will be December 21st against the Milwaukee Panthers. First question I have for you, John. Why? Yeah.
1: Uh, I don't know. I was surprised by the news, like probably a lot of people were. Um, this certainly looked to be trending in the direction of, you know, the NCAA looking at his situation and and seeing that, you know, he he fulfilled, you know, what he needed to fulfill, and then I, you know, I think even uh, you know his coach at Ohio State wrote a letter like backing this, you know, appeal and you know stating all the reasons why he should be you know immediately eligible to to play for Wisconsin and. I I don't know. I don't get it. And then, you know, word is kind of out tonight that, you know, Michigan State feels that Joey Hauser is going to be able to play immediately, and he's waiting word on his appeal. So, I mean, if if that were to happen where Joey Hauser gets granted immediate eligibility and and Potter has to sit, (laughs) I mean, that would be pretty wild stuff. So I I don't know why. I I thought that, you know, things were moving in the direction where, you know, Wisconsin – was going to win that appeal and he would be set to play. I don't, I don't know what more maybe they needed to see happen, the NCAA, but I mean, who, if you start trying to go over what the NCAA, you know, is doing and, and, you know, their kind of mode and reason for whatever they do, uh, I think you'll drive yourself a little bit crazy. So, um, you know, I think if there is good news here, I think what he misses 10 games um, and, you know, obviously there's a big chunk of the season that he'll be available for, but, um, you know, you just feel bad for Potter. You know, I think he's a guy that went about it the right way and you know handled his business and you know did all the things that he thought he needed to do. Most likely, until in to be eligible right away, and you know, then he gets this news. So again, it's it's uh, unfortunate news, not the worst thing because he'll he'll play a big chunk of the season. But I I don't know. I don't pretend to know what the NCA does. Um, you know, I think the joke is like, you know, NCA is investigating Kentucky, uh, so they slap some you know, sanctions on Wyoming. So I don't know. I I just don't get it, but it is what it is. I suppose.
0: You know, I guess the, the second question is to, besides the why the one that we don't really know why, but how will Wisconsin have to compensate? And we'll get into our basketball preview, you know, in the next few weeks for this podcast and we'll break it down. We'll break it down over probably a couple of, of episodes, but really, Wisconsin has to replace Ethan Happ, and so there's junior Nate Reavers, there's Richard Junior Aleem Ford. Those are the only two forwards on the team that have significant, meaningful game time experience.
1: Yeah, you know they're thin. Uh, they're thin there, and you, obviously you'll you you would project their starting lineup. You know to include Potter and Reavers. Um, you know when they're when they're both eligible, I guess. Um, so, you know, right away, you know, maybe the easy answer is to, is to say, hey, Aleem Ford's going to play more four than he is three. Um, I think Kobe King, you know, most likely is is your starting small forward there at the three. So, you know, maybe go Trice, uh, Brad Davison, Kobe King, uh, Aleem Ford, and then Nathan Reavers, you know, for the first 10 games as you know, your starting lineup. And then, you know, maybe Potter comes in to replace uh, to place a Ford, but, you know, even when that, you know, they're thin there. So even if your lineup includes Ford and Reavers at, at the four and five respectively, you know, next in line there is maybe Joe Hedstrom, um, you know, the, the big man from Minnesota who, uh, you know, started as a walk-on, but you know, since is went on scholarship, um, you know, I think right now, you know, this early in his career, maybe he's a guy who can rebound and defend the rim a little bit for you, but I don't know how much offense you can get from him. So, you know, they're, they're thin on the block and, you know, having Potter sit out then, you know, that that's kind of a big blow to them early on. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what their options are be, behind those guys. Uh, you know, they, they might have to go with a lot of small lineups early on.
0: Right. And I think with that too, you'll have, I mean, talk about the small lineups. There is some depth on the, with maybe what you refer to as guards or wings, Demetric Trice, Brad Davidson, Kobe King, Brevin Pritzel, yeah, you know those are four names right there. Trevor Anderson, whenever he's able to come back, and until Potter comes, I mean, well have to see what Tyler Wall does and how he progresses. I mean, that's going to be a big question for Wisconsin's how quickly that true freshman could develop too. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of questions, and they'll have to. We'll see what they do in those first ten games. On that note, John, as we wrap up this show, what can people expect from BadgerBlitz.com this weekend? We already talked about some of the stuff, but what should we expect with a potential big recruiting weekend? But also obviously with our game coverage.
1: Yeah, hopefully tomorrow we can get out to a game depending on the weather. Um hope you know hopefully it doesn't rain. I want to get out to either see JP Benshaw or potentially Joe Brunner as well. But again, that might depend on the weather. And then you know, Saturday we'll have plenty of game coverage for you. Um and then you know, recruit and visitor stuff on Sunday into the, into the next week, but yeah, we're loaded right away. Like you talked about Jake, we'll have, um, you know, a lot of football stuff up in the morning on Friday. And then, um, you know, you're going to be at uh, you know, media day, which is a big event. We'll have a bunch of stuff up from there. Uh, the red and white scrimmage on Sunday. Yeah. So we're just, we got a lot going on in the next, next couple hours here. So, um, it, you know, it's a great time to be a member of badger blitz.com. And um, it, you know, if you're thinking about joining, now's a very good time. Uh, You know, we're obviously always covering recruiting, but, you know, football and basketball are running uh, side-by-side right now. Um, So, you know, there'll be plenty of news and, you know, you'll be very busy, Jake.
0: (laughs) Oh, yep, Yeah, I'll be very busy. And, of course, you can find all that on badgerblitz.com, wisconsin.rivals.com. And then Facebook, of course, like us on Facebook, Wisconsin Badgers, on badgerblitz.com, for Twitter, John's. At McNamara Rivals, me at Jake Coco, K O C O, and then the official BadgerBlitz.com Twitter account at Badger underscore Blitz for this podcast. You guys can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, tuned in. And also you can find us on, on the score up in Appleton if you go to the scorewi.com. We are on there too, so our feed is up there for you guys to listen to. It's, it's a link directly to our Overtime Media page. And feel free to su- subscribe. It's a, this is a free podcast, everyone. Subscribing just means when you click that button, anytime on one of those various media avenues that, this, that they're uploaded, like, I'm going to upload this tonight, what happens is you have the ability to get that right away on your mobile device, on your iPad, on your tablet, on your laptop, wherever you listen, that's instantly available for you there. So please subscribe. Give us some reviews. We want to make this the best Wisconsin Badgers podcast out there. We love five-star reviews. That helps us out a lot with our rating, obviously. We love them. But, hey, be genuine. Give us some feedback. What can we improve upon? So, uh, again, tune in this weekend. we got a lot more coming up. We'll have another show on Sunday recapping. Wisconsin, Michigan state talking some recruiting and our thoughts on the red white scrimmage too. we got a lot coming up folks. Tune in to another edition of the badger podcast powered by overtime media.